Hi guys, I'm Rachel Hollis. And I'm Dave Hollis. And we're married. For like 14 years. And together for 16. We have kids. Four kids. Which is like a thousand kids. We've also been foster parents to four kids as well. We're running a business together. We do a lot of things. That is a lot of things. <laughs> but we feel like it's possible, we know it's possible, to have an exceptional relationship regardless of the stresses you have in your life. That's why we decided to do a podcast together. It's called Rise Together. So if you want some tips and tricks on how we kind of get through all the things. This is it. Come on down. Here we go. <laughs> Hello, Dave Hollis here. I'm coming to you live, kind of, from the studios of the Rise Together podcast for a conversation we haven't really gotten into yet on this show, and that is fatherhood. Uh, I had an opportunity not too long ago to be a guest on the Dad Edge podcast that Larry Hagner hosts, and he was kind enough to let us take the audio from our conversation about being dads of four humans and let us throw it up here on the Rise Together podcast. So uh, I am going to just let it play, but I have included in the show notes a link to Larry's podcast if you're interested in uh, listening to something that on the regular brings you what dads are going through in 2018. Uh, and what it means to be a good dad, uh, check out the show. But for now, enjoy. It's Friday, and uh, I'm excited. We, uh, we're celebrating my, my four-year-old. He's turning five. You know, big milestone, big, big milestone. It's a big birthday. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I'm going to blink, and he's going to be 16. So, as True I'm sure. Well, you go to five, and all of a sudden, you start to transition into big boy for realness, which <laughs> comes with... No, I don't need you to like help me get to bed. No, I don't need you to help me get up and put my clothes on in the morning. And they still do. And they don't realize it yet, but I don't know, at least for me anyway. It was very much this like, oh, you think you're a big guy now. Okay, well, yeah. I guess I'll see you at the car in an hour and a half and we can go to school then, buddy. <laughs> I don't know about bed. I mean, that's like, a, I know you have four kids, I have four boys, but bed is like, bed, what's that? I don't want to do that. I don't want to <laughs> go to bed. Like I, we joke around, my wife and I joke around all the time. We're like, you know, one of these days, these kids are going to write like a letter to naps, like dear nap. I'm so sorry. I treated you so poorly when I was a child, right? Please forgive me. I want to make it up to you by catching up on all that sleep that I fought for so long. I go on a vacation and if you can get a nap on a vacation, I mean, usually we have to not bring our small humans to actually have a nap on vacation. I'm reminded of how good naps can be. And I actually come back with that anecdote like, hey, small human, listen here. You will appreciate a nap one day as a thing that you don't get to do unless you find a way to go away without young humans, man. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, man. So, well, dude, it is, it is good to meet you. It's, it's good to have you on. You and I were... We're connected by by uh, Anthony Trucks. Yep, uh, I love trucks, man. Actually, funny, funny thing is, I so I flew trucks in to St. Louis a couple months back, and uh, he did a, a motivational speech for my 10U football team that I my son plays for. I'm one of the coaches, and then for the entire high school varsity program. Wow. And, then he hung out with us and then we recorded an upfront live in person podcast the next day, and we had a bunch of the players from the 10U 
uh, team, ask him all kinds of questions, and it, it was really fun. So, and then, love that. Yeah, very cool. It was a good time. And then he connected us via email, did some homework on you, some research on you, and and love what you're doing, man. I love Thank what you're you. doing, especially your podcast with your wife, man. I uh, I've I've listened to several of them. They make me smile. They put me in a good mood. The Rise Together podcast. I love the chemistry between you guys, between you and Rachel. Right on. Super great stuff too. Super great knowledgeable stuff and how you balance marriage and the four kids. But I don't want to steal your thunder. Please tell us all about you and, and maybe your recent transition as well. Right on. So my name is Dave Hollis. I work now at the Hollis Company. I have for the last six months. My wife and I are in business together. My wife is named Rachel Hollis. She, uh, 15 years ago, started a business that over the course of a decade and a half evolved as she evolved. And what originally was an event planning business became a lifestyle blog, turned into a media company that was before we moved from Los Angeles in June of this year called Chic Media. And I'll pause that story there for a second. I for about 15 years worth of time. Worked at the Walt Disney Company for 10 years prior to that. Worked inside of entertainment, the Hollywood business scene uh, for um, all of my adult life. And around the same time that her business was tipping into a place that it felt like it was gonna take off and need someone to come in and help shepherd some of the running the business side of things so that she could create as the creative engine for the business, uh, I was the head of sales at the Walt Disney Company on the movie side of the business. And as much as uh, from the outside, that is a rad job. And I was doing um, some really cool things with great movies, great brands, the most prolific storytellers of our time. Uh, it, it wasn't as challenging a thing as one might think to sell Star Wars and Avengers movies to movie theaters. And so uh, in the midst of me, wanting and needing a new challenge in my professional life and she wanting and needing to scale and take the business to a new place her need for someone to come in and partner with her to be the one to look at the balance sheet hire the people think about the operation uh, was met with me realizing i needed to make a change so i could be uh, more fulfilled be forced to use a little more of my potential and so we got up and moved. We were living in uh, a city just outside of Los Angeles. And uh, first week of June, kids are out of school. We packed up and we moved to a small town just south of Austin, Texas, where we changed the name of her company, Chic Media, to now the Hollis Company. And we exist as a company to create things that in the hands of the people who consume them will allow them to make lasting life change. So we're uh, trying to do some good in the world that shows up in books, it shows up in podcasts, it shows up in the stuff we do on social, the live events that we throw, and the apparel and products that we create. So um, we still like each other after six months of working together, our kids, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, they had to adjust to new surroundings. They've settled into this new thing in Texas and we're running full speed. Sounds like a man. Sounds like you guys are busy. That's quite a transition. Talk to me a little bit about what your family looks like from a kid perspective. Yeah, we have 1000 children uh, <laughs> like you. Uh, yeah. So we, we have four kids. 
We have been the foster parents of four kids. Uh, we created three of our humans biologically, and we adopted our daughter, who is the youngest. So I have uh, three boys, Jackson, Sawyer, and Ford. They are 11, 10, and 6. And Noah is 21 months going on 17 years. Of course. Um, like I said, we uh, in 2016, we fostered uh, two sets of sisters and... Uh, it was a interesting, long, high highs and low lows adoption journey that ended with uh, Noah coming into our family in the beginning at the beginning of 2017. Mm. Well, congratulations! Thank you. That's awesome. So, 11, 10, 6, 21 months. It, that is correct. correct. Yeah. So yes. you and I are like literally neck and neck. So I have 12, 10, 5, 2. So it's like literally. Oh man! Yeah. Right on. It's like right in there. So if we were closer to St. Louis, we could barbecue. We could, or we could start a basketball team. You know, also true. Maybe almost two of them. So, <laughs> uh, talk to me a little bit about. Uh, so, how do you do it all? How do you do it all? You got four kids. Obviously, you know this is the Dad Edge podcast, so we're talking about busy fathers, both professionally. Uh, how do you, how we make marriages thrive? How we have you know make a relationship with our kids thrive? How we can actually just balance it all? So four kids, uh, successful marriage, successful business. How do you do it all? So the first thing is acknowledging that we do not do it all. Uh, we first uh, have a community of people, family, and frankly, people that we have brought in as nannies or babysitters to help make sure that we can pursue this calling that has been put on us to try and do these things with the company and, and, and do the work that sometimes will pull us out of town. Um, so we have help and we are okay talking about it. Uh, we're okay dealing with people who want to judge sometimes for the way that we've decided to live our lives relative to how they might. But um, we don't do it all ourselves. We do it um, in community. That's one. Two, we're really comfortable with the reality that balance is not actually a possibility. Mm -hmm. So people talk a lot about balance and how, you know, how do you get to balance? How do you do work-life balance? And the, the headline is uh, balance is something that you strive for on the whole, but that on any individual day doesn't really show up. So there are days when our work is going to pull us further away from our ability to sit together as a family and have dinner or have both of us as parents sitting in the stands at a baseball game. And then there are other days where work doesn't do that. And it allows us to fully engage and be fully a part of every single one of all four of the kids needs and wants. Um, but it's not necessarily a normal thing that you get consecutive weeks where life is showing up for you um, the same way every day. And then for us, we are crazy about this idea of front loading. Like we are really intentional in how we plan for the way that life is going to show up for us by acknowledging what is coming in the days and weeks ahead. So we sit down on Sunday nights and we go day by day, hour by hour and plan out what each of the kids has, if it's a commitment at school, a commitment for sports, a doctor's appointment. And we look at our individual calendars and have a conversation as husband and wife about who has the ability 
to drive the kids to school on this day or take the you know one of the kids to practice on that day um, in part because we both feel like uh, you know my my uh, responsibility for raising these kids is 100% as is Rachel's my wife's responsibility for raising these kids we are equally responsible for raising these children but doing it requires us to acknowledge that we're not equally going to be available to do it on an every week basis. And by sitting on a Sunday and having a conversation about whose calendar affords how much availability to each of the things that our kids need or the things that um, our business might need, lets us not in the moment when Thursday comes and you're like, oh, I got to put the kids to bed again. I got to pick the kids up from school again. I'm responsible for snacks at soccer again. If we've negotiated it in this objective Sunday night setting that's considerate of who's got what happening, um, it takes the emotion out of who's going to do what and lets us know what's going to happen so that there isn't surprise. I've always said the only time anyone gets upset is when they're surprised by something. That's professionally. It's also especially in relationship when you're trying to have an exceptional relationship. Make sure that you're not you know, dropping something on someone last minute. So they, you know, know what to expect before it actually ends up happening. Damn. I'm glad we talked today. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. So a couple of different things. We were just talking about this in our community as well, about, about the idea of balance and balance uh, in my mind is, is really just unattainable. In fact, I, I don't even know. I, I think the the term was was coined in the 70s when when a lot of women who who went back to the workforce there was that whole work life balance sure and that's that's where it was coined right so if you look at what we do though at any point in time there really is no balance so like on this podcast we always talk about the five dimensions that men usually operate in you know one is financial one is health relationship with our wife, relationship with our kids, and then how we provide those five things. And health encompasses our physical health, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, right? But trying to find quote unquote balance in, in all of those at once is impossible. And the expectation around that is it's usually unattainable because if you're focusing a ton of time and attention on your business, chances are for that period of time, your family might feel a bit neglected, but if you're focusing a lot of time and attention on your family, chances are your business might might take a little bit of of, of uh, neglect. And then same thing with our health. I mean, a lot of times that's one of the first things we neglect is our health. For you guys, though, I love this. I I love this practice of front loading because uh, I think one of the things that will deteriorate really any relationship or marriage is expectation. Yeah. Right? expectation is huge. Like, man, I put the kids to bed four times this week. I can't even believe this. Like when is, when is he going to step up or when is she going to step up? But looking at that as like, Hey, let's really figure this out day to day. How did you guys have this epiphany to start doing something like that? Well, life just got too crazy for us not to, right? Like there were, you know, there was this like idea that we could just like handle it as it came. And then we, I, interestingly, around the time that I was introducing at work an idea called Radical Candor, which there's a great 20-minute YouTube video that you can watch that is free on the internet, and it is just a person explaining how if you truly care about people you are in relationship with, that you will always be 
honest in the moment with them in a way that they can hear and understand what you are trying to convey. And as I'm telling the people on my team that this is a practice that we're going to do, we're going to be, you know, considerate, but also really honest in real time. I was coming back to our house and as a person who'd been we're, we call each other recovering codependents. Like I was always hoping, trying, working to keep the people in our house happy. And, and a lot of times their happiness and my happiness were connected. So when something was frustrating me, I found myself not saying the thing that I was frustrated by because I was trying to maintain an equilibrium. And that works for a second, but long term creates a resentment that can turn into big problem. Oh, yeah. So that like, thing that was happening in my office was this like seed for, hey, there has to be a way for us to have honest conversations about times when we're feeling like one of us is doing more lifting. If truly we feel and believe, and I, and I do, that I am as responsible for raising these kids as you are, that I am as responsible for providing for this family as you are, that I am at, like we are hoping to every day come into this relationship as two whole humans that don't complete each other, but that are each whole in and of our individual selves. If we can like come into relationship in that way, then maybe we can also, when something goes wrong, have a conversation that doesn't become more emotional than it, than, than it would have otherwise been. That required finding a place to have those conversations. And those conversations on a Sunday, for whatever reason, primarily because I can, I can tell you, it was we're not in the heat of the moment. It wasn't bedtime when you're determining who's going to be putting the kid to bed. It wasn't time to drive the kid to school when you're determining who's like, because if you say, hey, do you mind taking the kids to school today? The person receiving that request might be hearing it as, I value my time and my priorities on my calendar more than I value yours. So I'm going to delegate the responsibility of caring for our kids to you because of that value assessment that I've done. Now, by the way, it may not even have been the intention, but that just might be the way that it's received. But on a Sunday, when it's not the day of, there was this ability to have that conversation that took some of the emotion out of it. So... It was a little bit by necessity, life got crazy. It was a little bit because of a practice that was happening at work, but it started working for us. And we ended up finding, this is not an ad, but we found an app that is free to download called Cozy, but there are tons of them. And we open them up and we you know, have access to the same calendar and we give access also to a nanny that was helping out at the house or you know, if we had other people family-wise that were going to be helping pick up kids if we were out of town or caught with work on a certain day. And you can assign the task of whatever that thing is. Karate practice ends at this time. That gets assigned to Rachel today. The dog needs to be taken to the groomer. That gets assigned to Dave on that day. And so um, going through and using something that helped manage our life in that way, just man, it, it actually allowed us to accomplish everything with busy lives, busy jobs, and four humans, couple of pets. I can definitely see how that would be super helpful. It takes the guesswork out of it. It takes, and you mentioned something, emotional resentment, which is huge. When you're talking about like, hey, there are these expectations and they're not getting met. Therefore, that wall of resentment gets just bigger and bigger and taller and taller. And, you know, planning to fail is failing to plan. Or That's real. 
I guess that I'll say be. this because you said you said something that triggers this, but like one of the things that we every single time would make sure fell into our planning, uh, health for us is a, it's not one of five things, it's the foundation for the other four. So if our health is not the thing that we are working on on a Sunday, when are you, Dave, going to the gym? When are you, Rachel, going on a run? What are we eating every single night? So on Sundays, we would meal plan the entire week. On Sundays, we would like actually plan out what days and what times we were working out. It created accountability, but it also made sure that we were sticking to our belief that if we weren't showing up for ourselves and pouring into our health as an important pillar of how we could actually achieve everything that we wanted to for our family, that we would not be the husband that she deserves or the father that they need or vice versa for her. So, um, you know, if like we have this saying, hope is not a strategy. Mm -hmm. You have to plan how you're going to be healthy. You can't hope that you're going to make healthy choices in the midst of a chaotic day with four kids. It just ain't going to happen. Totally, totally agree with that. Illustrate for us what these what these meetings look like for you guys. Is it just a matter of like, hey, let's make a list of the top 50 things that we need to do this week? Does it go day by day? Does it go by responsibility? What is it? What does the conversation look like? We go day by day. And it is us opening up our computers and having, you know, like a phone that has this app on it with the computer calendar sitting right in front of us. And so when I know, hey, this is what my day looks like. And hey, this is what your day looks like. It just becomes a bit of a negotiation for, all right. I mean, nowadays, now that we're working together, we alternate every day. Either I go to the gym at five and she goes to the gym at 630. Or she goes to the gym at five and I go to the gym at 6.30 every day. It's, and it, like the alarm goes off, we are up. We really believe in this practice of getting up an hour earlier than, at least an hour earlier than your children and using that time for yourself. And so that yourself time, you know, in a season where we're on a deadline for a book could be about when we're writing that book but it also could be the time that we're running on a treadmill or sitting in prayer or whatever it might be. But when you have four kids, again, don't hope that you're going to find time to refuel yourself. Plan for when that time is going to show up. For us, the easiest time has meant getting up earlier and doing it earlier. But we open it up, the calendar, go day by day by day and look to see what are the things that are going to you know, happen this week that don't normally happen. We're pulling up the schedule for the baseball league. We're pulling up the, the reminder that there's a doctor's appointment for one of the kids on this day. Oh, the school's having a performance that, you know, is going to require somebody to be there. And a lot of times it's, all right, I'm going to get this one. If you can get that one, I'll get Monday, Wednesday. If you can get Thursday, Friday, like there's, there's, you know, as much as you can an attempt at balance with the reality that I can tell you for next week. Rachel's got this cool opportunity to speak at the USO in Washington, D.C. Well, I already know on Sunday when we sit down to plan, it's going to take a little bit more of lifting on my side for the couple of days that she's out of town. And so the calendar will reflect it. The app will reflect it. And any extra help that I need because of my own responsibilities will reflect who else we have to tag in to also end up helping get humans from home to school or 
whatever it might be. Humans. I love how you call them the little humans. We do have humans. <laughs> I mean, one of them could be a cyborg for all we know at this point. I've not yeah. cut to the bone, but I think they're humans. Well, you have three boys, one girl. I think my wife would give her left arm at this point for a girl, but we have four boys, which is a oh, lot Oh my like, goodness. Yeah, it's a lot like a frat house in here where someone doesn't have pants on or someone's in the pantry or someone's tackling somebody. It's just, it's, it's, it's loud. It's loud here. It's I, not was out in the back, I was out in the backyard yesterday and I turn, I like, I heard water running and I turn around and there are two of my boys just peeing in the grass. I'm like, you're yeah. older than this behavior honestly like suggests is normal or okay. But also I think I probably, you know, did it myself for a few years longer than they are old now. So it happens. What are you going to do? You don't have to lie. You, you did it yourself probably right next to them on that. Yeah. About four (laughs) minutes after they were done. (laughs) Talk to me a little bit about, so I, obviously you and Rachel, one of the, one of the things that you guys do is you, you plan and that's critical, especially when you're running a business, you have four children, doesn't matter how many kids you have. I think you can plan and that will probably take a lot of the stress out of the relationship because everyone knows what the role is. Everybody knows what the expectation is. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do. Uh, I know on your, your uh, rise together podcast, uh, the cool thing that you guys talk about is, okay, even though we run a business together and even though we have four children together, our marriage is still incredibly important to us. We're going to take a quick break so that I can tell you about a couple of very cool things coming up from the Hollis Company. First, yesterday we found out that because of your unbelievable support, Girl, Wash Your Face crossed 2 million copies sold. Unbelievable. So I, uh, in an episode where Rachel isn't here, wanted to publicly profess my pride, my admiration, and my wonder at the amazing accomplishment of my best friend and wife, Rachel Hollis, the author of Girl, Wash Your Face. If you are looking for a stocking stuffer that is under $15, Girl, Wash Your Face is an excellent gift. And I want to say thank you to every single person in this community who have fundamentally changed our lives with the support of this book. You will never ever know how much it means to all of us. And so I'm just grateful to the uh, very bottom of my heart. Do you remember when we had a documentary go into movie theaters back in August? Well, if you don't, we, as a response to a request from this community, recorded our live event called Rise and turned it into an unbelievably entertaining and inspiring documentary called Rachel Hollis Presents Made for More. Uh, it was in theaters back in August and it's coming back to theaters in January to kick off 2019. We will be doing a program called New Year Do You and as a part of it on January 2nd and on January 9th, Made for More is going back into theaters. Uh, It's a 90-minute feature-length documentary that has, this time around, a new 30-minute end, 
which is Rachel teaching out of an excerpt of Girl Stop Apologizing. So you get two full hours of entertainment. You get to have an experience like that of our live events, and it all costs what you pay for a normal movie ticket. So go to wherever you buy movie tickets today. All the showtimes are in there right now. Get your crew together and plan a night that I promise you will never forget. How do you make your marriage thrive with you guys? So we have from just about as early as our young, like our oldest was maybe a year old when we realized that if we didn't have a regular date night, we were going to be inconsistent in how we could connect. Like intimacy isn't just what happens in the bedroom. Intimacy is what happens when you pause life for others and have life for you as a couple. And we on Thursday nights, every Thursday night, have a date night. It means that we have arranged sitters for Thursday nights between now and the end of time and have conditioned our kids that we are going on a date every single Thursday night. Are there times when our kids are like, oh man, you're going on a date, but there's no, it's not even a conversation any longer because the answer is you're darn right we're going on a date because we love each other. And the only way that we can show up as the best parents for you is if we are as strong as we can be as a couple. And Rachel and I are modeling for these four human beings the way that we hope that they show up as adults. And so the practice of dating your spouse, the practice of being someone who is intentional about showing up on a regular basis in an environment that says, put on your fancy underwear, do something that's, you know, going to have us out on an adventure of some kind that maybe disrupts your regularly scheduled programming. Those are things we want our kids to ultimately also do and model for their kids when they are in relationship. At least if they want to have an exceptional relationship, it's a thing that they're going to need to do. Uh, we take two trips a year. We take one trip with our family and then we take a vacation without them. So uh, our kids know right now, like we have our December family trip planned. It's not necessarily a relaxing trip for the parents who are manning the fort of four kids on the road with suitcases and diapers and everything else. Doesn't mean we don't have fun. Of course, we're gonna have a great time. But when it comes to the other trip, it's not a trip, it's a vacation. It's where Rachel and I are saying goodbye, small human beings. We're gonna go refuel so that we can come back and be the kind of parents that you all deserve because we love each other. And I guess I don't know the ground rules for talking about this, but you know, Rachel and I enjoy making out on the regular. And making out on the regular is a thing that happens when you're really intentional about dating each other. And like, I, it's, I, I'm shocked by the number of people that are like, how do, you, how do you have a regular date night? You just make it a priority over the other things that you could do. Uh, you know, and the, the thing with making out, my way of not having to say something else is like, once you get into a habit of doing it regularly, you end up doing it more regularly. And you can find every excuse for why you're not currently having the kind of intimate relationship you'd like with your spouse. 
But if you push it aside and commit to it being a thing that you want more than the alternative, you can have that too. But you got to start with at least having a regular date night. That's like the simplest thing in the world, right? Simple, not, not easy for some folks, which is go out on a date with your wife. My wife and I are, are the, there's a lot of similarities when I hear you and Rachel on your podcast as my wife and I, and that is we, you know, my boys are always like, why do you guys got to go out again? And the answer we give them is because it's really important to you that we continue to like each other. Yeah. That's what we I, tell them. By the way, you know, like uh, we're, we're now in this business together. Um, we're doing work that we feel like a higher power has called us into. We are doing things that are hopefully putting tools in the people's, into people's hands that are going to help make their lives better. But in doing it, there is an unconventional nature to how we as parents are traveling a little bit more often than other people's parents might be. And the two things I would say, if you find yourself as a listener doing something that's a little different than what other parents might be doing, number one, your kids only have one experience that they know as normal. And that is the one that you've created. So my kids have never known anything different than having two parents who work, who are both ambitious, who are both interested in doing good in this world. And they're watching us have ambition or watching us pursue our dreams or watching us go chase down things is in part because, again, we're called into it, but in part because we are in this space as well, modeling for them what I hope they take away from what people who have ambition, drive, passion, and a calling do with their life. My daughter, she's only 21 months, so cognitively, I'm not sure that she appreciates this just yet, give her a couple more months, is watching <laughs> my wife, Rachel, who is a number one New York Times bestselling author, one of the highest paid speakers on a stage. She's creating these conferences that sell out in record time. She is a hustler's hustler. And my Noah is watching my wife model for her that no one gets to tell her how big her dreams can be, mm -hmm. that no one gets to tell her that there's a stigma around ambition for women or that she can't have anything that she chooses to have and that's, you know, the way our, that's the way our life shows up. Now, my life isn't going to look like somebody else's life, but everyone's life is unique to their house and to how they're doing it. And as soon as you can stop worrying about what other people might think, what your mother-in-law might think, what your neighbor might think, what Larry or I might think, like our opinion doesn't matter at all. And the, the sooner that you can become comfortable with your parenting being exactly what your kids need and your version of parenting being the only thing they've ever known, uh, the quicker you're going to, I think, be comfortable taking your family into places that'll help them grow. I love what you're doing. I love what you're modeling for your kids. I think the biggest obstacle with most parents is this perception and I'm not even going to say it's the correct perception, but this perception of guilt, this perception, well, if I, if I go out on a date with my husband, that means I'm not home for the kids, I feel. And there's like this tremendous guilt, you know, doing something for ourselves or doing something with our spouses. And beyond just saying like, hey, it's really important for Rachel and I to, to, to 
to really enjoy our marriage or for me to say it's really important for Jessica and I to enjoy our marriage because it helps us show up for our kids better. But for the guy who's listening to this podcast right now, and maybe he's in that marriage right now where it's like, it's good, but we're sort of like spinning in different orbits right now. It could be better, but it's not awful. And yet they feel so much guilt. What, what are some things that they can do? What are some steps, some mental steps that they can take to be like, I don't need to feel my perception of feeling guilty about dating my wife, taking time for just us away from our, as you call it, the small human beings. Yeah. What, what does that look like? So two big things. Guilt a lot of times is informed by the opinion of someone who you've given power to. Oh, yeah. So right? Your guilt isn't even necessarily usually a thing that you feel. It's a thing you were taught to feel. And so if you feel guilty about leaving your kids, it's because of the passive aggressive comment that your mother-in-law makes when you leave them. And you're deciding to let her tell you how to raise them. And, you know, so like for us, it starts with this idea of like, if you're not in this ring, if you're not on this field, if you're not in this room raising these kids, you don't have the power to tell us how to do it respectfully, right? Like, thank you for offering your opinion, but we're going to do what we think is best for our kids. So I would, I would, I think I would start with a question, which would, which is, where does the guilt come from? right? If you feel guilty, can you identify the source of the guilt? Mm -hmm. And if the guilt ends up being the opinion of another person, what would it mean to afford yourself the freedom of deciding to not give power to that person's opinion? Because I have had plenty of times in my life, leaving the Walt Disney Company to come work with my wife, I was worried about what other people would say or think about a decision that made sense to me, but not to them for a long, long time. And the headline is their, their opinion didn't even exist. They weren't really worried about it. And it was something that I'd created in my mind, but wasn't real. Um, A lot of times we're making choices out of things that are theoretically theoretical fear, theoretical fears of, of what people might think instead of practical fears. The other, the other one is just a, um, sometimes our, what our kids need most is to not get what they want. And I say that having, again, been this recovering codependent dad as much as a codependent husband, keeping my kids happy made me happy. If my kids were getting the things that they wanted, I found myself feeling happy for being the deliverer of that happiness. In reality, what my kids often needed was to appreciate that you don't always get what you want that you don't necessarily get the thing, the toy, the, the computer game, whatever it is. And that if you, in telling them, nope, no more technology, forces them outside, now they're using their imagination, what they needed most was to not get what they wanted, which would have been to sit in front of the Xbox and, and play inside all day. And so my, you know, our, our decision to go on a date, in some ways, gives them what they need, which is some independence from us being there to helicopter parent their way through an evening so that they can get what they need, right? And so, um, I don't know, we had this this experience when we first moved to Texas where 
we wanted to let them get to know some people, get to know Texas a little bit. And we um, grew up in an environment where summer camps were not a thing. And here in Texas, summer camps are a dang thing. So we found this camp. It looked like an Adam Sandler movie come to life. But uh, we found this camp where they could go away for two weeks. And if they enjoyed it, opt in for a third week. They'd never stayed away from the house for more than a night. So this was overwhelming for each of us as parents, this idea of like leaving them in the care of other people. Were they going to be okay? Were they going to be homesick? And as a part of the drop-off process, the camp gave us this book called Homesick But Happy. And it was a genius marketing play by this camp. I give them credit, but it was also a great read and that it got into how important it was for kids to have experiences without their parents. And the, the idea that, and I think there's a little bit of vanity in this for us as dads or as moms, that like our kids are going to become who they are because of us, because of how often or not often we are in their life, that we are and we are alone, the ones that can shape how they think and how they show up. It's, it's just not true. I, I'm sorry to break it to everybody. You will not be the single force that shapes the way that your child develops into an adult. In fact, if you try to be, you may actually underprepare them for becoming an adult who's had a variety of experiences inform what they may need to thrive in a world after you're not there to take care of them every single day. We drop them off at camp. They have this incredible experience. And some of the things that they learned about responsible risk, I would not have taught them. I would have kept them from climbing to that taller branch on the tree. I would have told them about needing higher boots to go inside of that tall grass. Some of the things they learned about respect came from camp counselors that they could hear it from, but not from their dad who was trying to tell them the things that they needed to do to show respect to their elders. And so I, anyway, I left this experience of having been fearful of letting other people teach my kids some things with an appreciation that, in fact, other people are going to, you know, inevitably be able to teach my kids a ton. And I probably need to throw them into a bunch of, uh, you know, experiences that they um, need, even if they don't want. Mm -hmm. That was a long way of answering a question that you asked like 40 minutes ago. <laughs> That was so long. In fact, uh, we're going to end the show with that. <laughs> now, I think one of the things you just you just illustrated is is allowing kids to get out of their comfort zone, as well as uh, you even getting out of yours. Right? Somebody else taking care of them, somebody else raising you know, not raising them, but 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 caring for them, teaching them lessons that you're trying to instill anyway. But usually, when it's coming from a different source, sometimes they're more receptive to it. Yeah. It doesn't matter how they learn the lesson as long as they learn it. That's the most important thing. Um, we were just talking about this on a, on a previous podcast, which is getting your kids out of their comfort zone. Like how do you develop mental toughness? How do you develop free thinkers? How do you develop risk takers? And a lot of it, a lot of the reason why our, our generation of kids are, they feel so entitled and, and how they're underprepared is because unfortunately, and we haven't really done this consciously. We just, we feel like it's the best with what we're supposed to do, but we do too much for them. Yeah. We, we do so much for them that, yeah, we, we are probably to some degree 
underpreparing them for life. So putting them in those uncomfortable situations where they can grow. I mean, think about it. Some of the best lessons you've learned or some of the, 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 the times in your life, your transition from Disney to what you're doing now, it probably forced you to grow in ways that you hadn't before. Oh, for sure. And by the way, the leap was the primary catalyst for the jump was the need for growth. Yeah. There's this, you know, unbelievable tie between growth and fulfillment. And I was unfulfilled because I wasn't needing to use all of my potential selling Star Wars and Avengers movies to movie theaters who needed them. And the idea of going into this new enterprise, this new challenge came with the promise of not knowing how to do everything that I was going to need to do. And where that was a fear before I made the jump, it's been one of the greatest rewards in having made the jump because, yep, I can promise you, you go into a new space or put your kids into a new space, they are not going to understand or know how to do all of the things in that new area, but they will grow for having to figure it out. And growth is where fulfillment uh, comes from and where fulfillment happens. Um, we, you know, I, I mentioned we were foster parents. The, the year of 2016 was a year of inside of the foster care system. We had these four girls come in and out of our house. Um, it was for us the first time probably in my adult life where we chose uncertainty over and over again because the foster system is an uncertain one. And in that, it was a challenge to our marriage, but the challenge made us stronger. It was a challenge to our kids, but it showcased their resiliency in a way that would not have actually shown up if not for kids having to come and go. It challenged our faith. It's easy to say that you have faith and then you have you know, kids removed from your house unexpectedly and you get to see how strong your faith actually is. Um, and all of those things just totally changed the way I think about needing to reach for uncertain spaces. So we come out of that experience. My son runs for a student government position at his elementary school. And on the eve of him getting the results of the vote, I was kind of torn between what result I was rooting for, which is crazy because the earlier version of me would have every single time been voting, rooting for him to win the election. But I knew as a person who'd lost elections personally, that he'd probably grow more from having to process losing. So he lost and it you know, stunk because losing isn't fun. But him realizing that he put himself out there and he had to process the pain of having done it, prepared him for trying out for the play that he you know, ended up not getting a part for. And then trying, like it's created a, a skin and a resilience that when I think about what is gonna best equip him for becoming the man that I hope he becomes, losing an election and deciding to try again, trying out for play, not getting a part and still putting himself back into a, an audition six months later, those experiences are the ones that are gonna make my kids into who they are, not me you know, trying to tell them that it's okay or trying to keep them from even trying for the, you know, hope that they don't have to lose and feel bad. What you said right there was so important. I want to make sure the audience heard it. So I, I, I've been blessed on this show to have some amazing individuals come and share their story. We've had several Navy SEALs come on the show and one in particular by the name of Larry Yatch, uh, who, just just a really great guy. He's been on the show three times. Grew up uh, with all kinds of adversity, 
was bullied, you know, definitely was not the star athlete. He's like, in, and in Bud's training, it's always the people, the ones who ring that bell first are the ones from a physical standpoint, you're looking at him and you're like, oh, this guy's going to make it all the way through. He's going to soar through. It's always the people that every single thing came easy to them. Like, cause at the end of the day to get through buds, you have to not give up. Yeah. That's really what it's all about. So he, he made a decision. He was like, as he's going through training, of course it's hard and it's hell. Right. But he's, as he's going through training, he was sitting there, he had this epiphany of like, wow, all I have to do is not give up and I can just keep sucking. Like, even yeah. though I suck at this, like, and I just not give up, like I've done this my whole life. Like I can do this. And he ended up getting getting right through. And it was always these, you know, the star quarterback. It was always this, you know, these people that have failed rarely in their lives. Those guys are the first to go. Yeah, I, it's interesting because I, in this transition, had to come to terms with my mindset. Like I had not really ever given much thought to mindset, but because so many things had been about maintaining a status quo or choosing certainty. I had very much what they would call a fixed mindset that like the things I was given as gifts are the things that I've got. There isn't more to, to me. And it kind of put a cap on what was possible in my life, in my relationship with my wife and my in being a dad. And I really, I've read this book called mindset by Carol Dweck. Everyone Carol should Dweck. read it, but yeah, right. Awesome it's a book. good book, but it, like the idea of a, of a growth mindset is the epitome of someone who's willing to just continually like reach for how they can build a, a better tool set and a, and a better toolbox. And it creates no, no limit basically to what you can ultimately become. But those are lessons that are learned in failure. Like your comfort zone, that's not where growth happens. We tend to want to like fortify walls around our comfort zone because it feels safe. But if you want to grow, you got to get outside of it. And the more that you're outside of it, the more that you can be inside of that growth mindset area. I totally agree. And but if you guys have not picked up that book, so good. Uh, it's it's awesome. I yep. love that book. In fact, it's it's funny you say that. It's kind of serendipitous you say that because uh, one of the shows that I had Larry on, uh, he it was teaching growth mindset to your kids. You know, yeah. Versus ensuring they don't grow up with this fixed mindset. Love that. So listen, as, as we wrap up today, um, we, so we've talked about marriage. We've talked about kids and balancing everything. And I, I love this front loading. I'm actually going to, it's one of those things I think I'll, it'll be in the front part of my brain now that we're I like talking it. about it. Yeah. Change your life. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I, I'm just, my, my head's kind of spinning as far as like things that we could actually manage on a Sunday versus things managing us throughout the week and the conversations I can have with my wife. So I appreciate you bringing that up. As far as um, trying to instill the lessons in life for, the, for your kids as they get older, for your 11-year-old, your 10-year-old, your 21-month-old, what, what are the most important things to you as a father that you want to teach? Well, I mean, I, I, I think we're living through in real time this like idea of following the calling on your heart, even as it doesn't make sense to other people, because like, as you can kind of like let go of the shackles that may be holding you back in the opinion of others dictating whether you should or shouldn't reach for that thing. Uh, the, 
like conventions of society or the, you know, if you're a woman, the patriarchy, if you're a person of color, how that has gated what you, you know, is available or not to you. And like, as soon as you just, you know, kind of can let go of some of the things that would have kept you from fully living into who you've been put on this planet to be, then um, you're going to find a sense of satisfaction and an ability to fully let your potential come through. My kids are wildly different from each other, as I'm sure yours are as well. And so like what it looks like for my 11 year old to show up as his like very best self using the gifts that have been given to him is totally different than my 10 year old. I was at a stage play last night of my, of my 11 year olds and he was awesome. Good work in Peter Pan Jr. And I am tomorrow going to the playoff baseball game of my 10 year old, right? My 10 year old is not likely to be the person on stage. My 11 year old cannot swing a bat. And so like me as a dad fueling the things that they find personal passions for is where I think I start, right? Like, and, and it's different than what I thought I would do as a dad, as a new dad, where I had this vision of how all of my kids were going to play baseball and soccer, and we were all going to do this, you know, activity or that activity. And I've instead said, like, instead of like focusing on the grades that they're not scoring as high in and trying to get those grades up, I'm focusing on the grades that they're getting really good grades in and doubling down and tripling down in those areas so that they can become the very best in the things that they're proficient at. Um, I don't know yet what my younger two are going to have as their things, but I'm showing them with my having made this jump, chasing this opportunity with my wife, defying a little bit of what society might have said about leaving the president of distribution job at Disney for running this family business together, that following your heart and your passion and like playing to your strengths is a like recipe for fulfillment, but also in fully utilizing the gifts that you've been given potential wise. I love that, man. Have you been trained in appreciative inquiry? I don't know what that is, but I'm excited <laughs> for you to tell me what that is. <laughs> well, you pretty much just summed it up what it is. I mean, what appreciative inquiry is, it's it's not necessarily thinking about, oh, here's all these opportunities that I have to be better. Here's all my shortcomings and all my weaknesses. And here's all the things I need to improve upon. It's mostly focusing on what strengths do I have and how can those overflow into the other areas of my life to where I can constantly focus on my strengths and improve my life and my trajectory and my potential in that manner. So that's Love that. appreciative inquiry is just, it's a, it's a fancy way for understanding strengths, asking yourself better questions really when it boils down to it. I love that. I mean, guess what? I was the guy who put all of my kids, you know, like when they could first play baseball, they were in the baseball league. And I have adapted into the dad who like really only focuses from, especially from a, a sports or activities perspective in the thing that you wake up just jonesing to get out on the field or on a stage to do. There is no, come on, it's time to go to practice. They're the ones that better be begging me to go to practice or that sport is done for them. I, I, like, I just don't have time for trying to convince kids to do something that they don't have passion for. It's a little less convenient when one is doing karate and the other is doing stage play and the other is doing soccer or baseball, but it's the thing that lights their heart on fire. And I don't want to go sit in the stands and watch them do something that they're going to come off the field and complain about anyway. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. Karate sweep the leg. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. So, what are you guys really excited about right now? Where can our audience uh, go find your resources? What's coming next for you guys? So we are, I mean, one, my name's Dave Hollis and my uh, Instagram handle, if you're on Instagram is Mr. Dave Hollis. My wife is Ms. MS Rachel Hollis. Uh, we have a company called the Hollis company. You can follow us there. Um, right now I am excited about entering a window of slowing down, <laughs> which is not what your question was what, actually what, oriented what, around. What's slowing down? What is slowing <laughs> down? We made a we made an intentional, uh, very conscientious choice of zero travel in December, and are having a little less time in the office during the month. Uh, we have a really busy next year. Rachel's next book comes out in March. We are launching an apparel line on QVC in April. We have a big, huge conference in June. So um, there are some big ticket things that are coming. So we're going to take a beat to just kind of cocoon and nest with the kiddos and, uh, and relax before we start running full speed. But if you go to the Hollis company, the Hollis um, all the stuff that's available, we got some cool journals that are, uh, that are on sale. Uh, I don't want, I, here's the thing. Check us out if you want. If you don't want, don't. We're, we're, we, we, I think we've got some awesome tools for people, but um, if you follow us on Instagram, we're talking about it every single stinking day. We do a live stream every morning too if you're up for a little entertainment between a couple who loves each other and wants to kind of do a little bit of uh, you know day in the life, but also challenge you the way a coach might to reach for a better version of yourself. Uh, on, on Rachel's Instagram and Facebook handles uh, every morning, 8 a.m. Uh, Central Time. We are there to hang out with you in community. And that's on Instagram? That live feed? On Instagram, Instagram on Miss Rachel Hollis and on Facebook at, on Rachel Hollis, uh, the, the Facebook page. All right. All right. Oh, we have podcasts. I will I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, say something podcast. about the pod. I forgot the podcast. We we do have Rise is a podcast and it's a dad podcast, but Rise is a podcast that Rachel has on Tuesdays that is primarily for women in business. Awesome guests every single week, challenging people to think differently about what they can pursue and ultimately hopefully giving them tools to get there. And then Rise Together, as you've mentioned, is our couples podcast. It's on Thursdays and it's us talking about honestly talking about the things that couples in relationship need to be thoughtful of if they want to have an exceptional relationship. And a lot of times we're talking about stuff that nobody in their right mind would sit in front of a microphone and talk about. So it makes for a good listen. I love the camaraderie between you guys on your Rise Together podcast. We'll have a link in the show notes for, for both of them. But uh, I love the laid back conversations. The cool thing too is each one of them are any, any, anywhere between 20 minutes, 40 minutes, you and Rachel, you know, chewing the fat on several different things, like how to get in shape as a couple, you know, four things that you're terrified to talk about, you know, just things like this. I, I love that you guys are doing that. It, it helps, it helps other people. It helps other couples out there. Maybe talk about those, broach those subjects that we otherwise wouldn't. Oh man. I mean, that's like, that's basically the business model is like, yeah. if we can go first in some of these conversations and take some of the taboo shame, like oddness out of, you know, like any of them, then maybe you can have a conversation honestly with yourself or with the people you're in relationship with and get past some of the, you know, stuff too. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, Dave, man, this was a pleasure. I enjoyed it. 
It was uh, man, I did too, Larry. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, same back at you, brother. Well, there you go. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Rise Together podcast. My very special thanks to Larry Hagner, who was generous enough to let us use the excerpt here from our conversation on his podcast, Dad Edge. Give it a listen if you are interested in hearing a dude talk about what it's like to raise a thousand kids on the regular. If you like this episode, I do ask, like we do every week, that you consider sharing it with your friends. Uh, take a picture, put it up on social, and uh, let everyone know that, uh, hey, I'm listening to this podcast and you ought to as well. Tag me, Mr. Dave Hollis, on Instagram or Dave Hollis on Facebook. Tag my wife. She's the co-host of this show, even though she wasn't here this week. Rachel Hollis on Facebook. Ms. Rachel Hollis on Instagram. And use the hashtag. Hashtag Rise Together Podcast. Uh, if you really liked it, and I hope that you'll consider subscribing to this podcast. Uh, one, it helps other people find this podcast when we are able to grow our subscribers. But two, special gift with purchase this week and every week, uh, you get a notification that lets you know when a new episode is available. If you really, really like this episode, would you consider rating this show? Ratings on a platform like iTunes or Stitcher is part of how people find new podcasts to listen to, and it would go a long way for us. And finally, if you know a dad, if there's a dad in your circle, you got a dad that's a friend, heck, what about your dad? Tag them and throw out that there is a podcast for them to listen to this week. If you happen to be a woman who came along for the ride in our conversation about fatherhood, thank you for having been here. If you happen to be in a relationship with a man who has not yet come around to the idea of a couples podcast, this may be your Trojan horse opportunity to sneak one past him. Tell him there's a no feelings, not mushy podcast about being a dad. And then next week, once he's hooked, we'll have Rachel Hollis back here and we'll talk about all the mushy stuff. Until then, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. If you are a fan, of the author of Girl, Wash Your Face, my best friend, Rachel Hollis, uh, and you like her writing, I'll tell you what, there is an option for you once you're done reading Girl, Wash Your Face. It's her next book. It's called Girl, Stop Apologizing, and it comes out March 12th, but is, during this holiday season, available for pre-order. I have read this book. I shed tears finishing this book. The tears were... Uh, primarily that of pride and of thinking about what it will be like for our daughter to get to live in this house with this mama uh, and read a book that she's written that encourages her to bravely and without worry pursue the dreams of her heart. Uh, it's a really, really great book. I dare say I think it's better than Girl, Wash Your Face. Uh, if you're looking for something for a stocking stuffer, it's available today on Amazon for pre-order and wherever books are sold. And if you liked the narration that Rachel did for Girl, Wash Your Face, she does it again on Girl, Stop Apologizing. The Audible version is available for pre-order right now.